message today is when darkness falls. Has anybody ever been in the place when darkness fell? You don't need to raise your hand, but yeah. Um, sometimes we see it coming. Sometimes it's just completely out of nowhere. Circumstances change, the sky clouds, you know, God is obscured, it feels like in our life and darkness falls. And I want to talk about that place today. Um, and we keep leaning into this idea of the comeback. And if you weren't here last week, we talked about our common comeback because that is really the root from which we can have hope today. And I don't want to miss that. So the hope today isn't anybody's story. Um, you know, God so generously has opened up so many stories in the scriptures, but our hope isn't in anybody's story that we've been going through and we've been reading. Really, these are just encouragements for us to hang in there to find hope in the person of Jesus. And because every story has a common thread and the common thread is not the person or even the lost thing or, or, or the one that needs to come back. The common thread is Jesus. And, and so here's what I would like to, to say today once more. I think I've said it every single week in this series. Whatever situation that you are in, I believe God is greater than that situation. He's greater than the circumstance. And even when you cannot start over again, um, some of you are thinking, or you have been thinking, you know, as we've been in this series, you know what, Sean, um, this whole thing about, you know, you can always start over, you can uh, always begin again. Some of you are like in a place where you're thinking, you know, I cannot start over. Um, your spouse is gone. They already left. Um, your business is gone. All that's washed away. You know, the person you loved has passed away um, and you cannot start over again. And so today, again, it's not a platitude that we're saying, you know, oh, we can all begin again. Um, well, you, not, you may not be able, you know, to start over again, and I may not be able to start over again in certain areas of life, but here's the thing. We can always start again with God. We can. And when God is in the beginning, there's a possibility of something beautiful in that journey. So whatever you're facing or whatever the circumstance, whatever the past, whatever hand that you've been dealt or whatever hand you've dealt to someone else, I believe God is greater than whatever it is this morning. I hope somebody can hear that this morning. And, and I believe that God can and will work in and through the circumstance to bring something that is gonna be good for you and bring glory to himself. And I absolutely believe that is a possibility. And it is not out of some sort of faraway spiritual idea. It's because for all of us who put our faith in Jesus, there are a few things that are true. You know, I wasn't good enough, but he loved me anyway. Um, I didn't earn it, but God gave me his grace, salvation through his grace. And I could never uh, have done enough to come back to God, but Jesus did enough to come and meet me where I was. And because of his death and his burial and his resurrection and his giving it all up for me, I'm forgiven and I'm washed clean and I'm brand new. And I am part of his family, a son, a daughter in this room, in the kingdom of God, and I'm alive in him. Heaven is real here. And in the future, we can all have a miracle comeback because of him. So why are we saying that? Two reasons. Number one, I wanna make sure before this conversation this morning that we know there are not two sides of the road. There's no good people side of the road and bad people side of the road. There's, there's not the people who live nice lives side of the road and people who wrecked their lives side of the road. There's not the churchgoers and the hell raisers side of the road. We're all on the same side of the road. We're all dead and, and, and done apart from the mercy of God and the miracle puts us on the same side of the road. We're all saved by his grace. And so it's a miracle for every single person um, coming from death to life in Jesus. So that's our common comeback. And if that's true, and if, that's that, you know, if that is a miracle, that's the seed from which hope springs today, that God can still do another miracle. miracle. Um, so maybe you're asking this morning, so Sean, on what basis can you tell me not even knowing me or my circumstance or what I've been through or what's going on, how can you stand up there and tell me that you believe that God can do something good and great and glorious in and through my circumstance? I could tell you that 
this morning because I'm, first of all, I'm a follower of Jesus and the process of becoming a son was a miracle as big as Jesus walking on water. The son of God, I mean, that, you know, feeding the 5,000 or raising uh, Lazarus from the dead, you know, which we talked about, you know, in this story. And so becoming an adopted son or daughter of God is a huge, 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 huge miracle. And it's a turnaround and it's a comeback story right there. Um, and that's our common comeback. That's what we talked about last week. And out of that hope, I believe God can do anything. Whereas with men, some things are possible with him. Everything, all things are possible. And so what happens when darkness falls? You know, for me, um, I've shared some of my story when I, when I stood up here on the day that I announced that my former spouse and your former pastor was filing for divorce. Um, and that day was hard, but it was nothing like what happened when she first told me um, when she wanted to leave, which has been two years and two months ago. And uh, for me, I just wanted to tell a little bit more of the story this morning. For me, darkness came fast and it crashed in and it shut me down. And can I say, I, I don't share my story today because I feel like my story is important. That's not, that's not why I'm gonna do this this morning. That's not really the bottom of why I'm gonna share today. Like, you know, boy, you need to hear my story. That's not the point. I don't really feel that way. I'm not sharing my story today because I feel it's important um, for you to hear it. I feel it's important in the healing for some of us in this room, including myself. And I'm not the only one who went through a divorce, as, as my counselor said, the destiny did too. And um, so you see the difference of those two things. It's not my story that's important. Although since I've walked through this, I can't even begin to tell you how many people have reached out to me to tell me about their story and similar experience. Um, but you may not have the same story as me. And that's not the point of me sharing my story. Um, I believe the point of the story is being vulnerable. And I don't know, Jim, if you even remember this but um, you handed me a little slip of paper. You remember that? A little slip, yep. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you what you said. I keep that little piece of paper. I should have brought it over. It's, it's on my office desk. I'm right under the monitor of, uh, where, I, where I work. And this was before, you know, I knew I would be walking through a divorce just in a matter of months. And it simply said this, Sean, your openness and vulnerability are your strength. Dash, Heavenly Father. <laughs> so here I am trying to be open and, and vulnerable once again. Um, and I want to encourage you this morning that you can walk through fire and not come out burned. Um, but part of the encouragement is to say, I don't know who you think I am, <laughs> but, but whatever it is, you know, the picture you have of a spiritual leader or a spiritual voice or, you know, you know, God's given you a platform or whatever, all those things. I just want to say, here's your spiritual leader this morning, your perceived, you know, spiritual voice or whatever perceived platform that you've put me on. And I have a story to tell. And my story is that there was a time two years ago and two months ago that I fell into a hole and it was a pit of darkness. Um, and it was, you know, all the things, depression and, and worry and fear and anxiety. And I was so disabled by it all, so much so that in the months of that journey, <laughs> my standing here today in front of you in my right mind, proclaiming the truth of who God is and just doing what I do um, was equal in those days. I was thinking to me riding a bicycle to Jupiter. It seemed like such a far-fetched idea that I would be back in this place again, um, using the gifts that you know, God has given me to lift up the person of Jesus. But yet God did that. He did that very thing. And because of that, I can say that today this comeback idea is not just a story in the Bible to me. And so this is so much more than a message series to me. It's not just some ideas, it's, it's a reality. Um, and I think that some of us in the room have that story of God's faithfulness in the toughest places in our lives. 
And so I'm gonna start today by saying again, as I said, when we made this announcement, this formal announcement, and I read that statement, you're not gonna hear me say anything negative about my former spouse, you're not. Um, I journeyed for 29 years with her as my best friend and for 25 years with her as my spouse. She's the mother of my seven kids. Um, and she was co-pastor here at Destiny with me um, since we stepped into this role. And so I know that she's a friend of many of you here. And that's good and that's right. Um, there would be something wrong if that were otherwise. And so I say that up front because I don't want anybody to be on the edge of their seats that I'm going to say something hurtful. I'm not. Um, that's not going to happen. Um, but 2020 was a crazy year for us, right? It was a perfect storm for a lot of people. And I think I wanted to start with that um, because it takes a little pressure off of me. I can kind of deflect a little bit of the story. Um, but before that even, our, our journey was a winding one. And many of you will remember back, you know, from the years of, of 2001, when, when Destiny was three years old, um, Deanna and I stepped into the role of youth pastors. And we were, we were here from 2001 um, to 2010 doing that. And that was such a rewarding time for us. And um, then in 2010, we, we made the decision to move to Duluth um, to start pursuing uh, her education. Zion was just uh, six weeks old at the time. Now he's running media <laughs> this morning. Um, and I remember, you know, sitting in the orientation meeting that was hosted for the spouses of medical school students. They started with a statistic saying something like 85 to 90% of married couples, they're not gonna make it through medical school. <laughs> that was how they started uh, you know, uh, the speech there. And students were on such a grueling schedule and it's hard. A lot of couples don't make it. Um, but we, were de we, we weren't deterred and, and I was determined to see our marriage succeed and we did. We made, it, we made it through four years of that with a move to a different town and different college in the middle of that. Um, we moved to Buxton, North Dakota with a population of 300. We tipped the scales when we moved there. Like we made, we made it over the 300 mark, um, true story. Um, but I was a stay-at-home dad um, with five kids at the time and was hired to serve our district as the district um, next-gen pastor in the middle of that. And that was such an adventure and I was loving that. Um, from there, if you, if you hadn't known our story, you know, we moved to Denver where I was the worship and next-gen pastor at North Rock Church. And that was until the finances kind of fell out from underneath the church and they had to let me go just one and a half years in. Um, so that took us then to Bayfield, Colorado, where I was pastoring right before being called back to Destiny. I was hired as a youth pastor, which was two of the most fruitful years of ministry that I've ever walked in. Um, and um, so I was, I was, I, before that finished, was finished, I hired a, a co-youth pastor whom I walked with for a while and then transitioned them into my position. And then I transitioned into an associate pastor role. So I say all of that, think about all of that. There are a lot of moves in a short amount of time with a lot of kids. And in 2018, we adopted two more um, into our family, Darian and Lazarus. And they were one and five years old at the time, um, seven kids total. And uh, we were called back to destiny. And to, to be honest, that was an easy decision for us. Um, you know, we prayed about it for three months to be sure it was God speaking and not just our hearts because our hearts wanted to come back. And so we felt a yes in our spirits, but in the same breath, it was not as easy for our kids. They were leaving behind some really deep friendships and an awesome youth ministry that we had down there in Bayfield. And it wasn't as easy, especially for our two girls. Um, and so when we moved here, I started to feel... Um, my former spouse distanced herself from me in, in early 2018. And everybody in this room knows, I don't need to tell you, it takes two people to make a marriage work. And so please don't think I'm trying to frame myself as blameless this morning. Um, but I'm telling you, I, f I felt helpless. I felt at a loss. And I didn't know what to do, so I just keep, kept on trying to love as best as I knew how. So 2020, I was dinged up a bit from all the church stuff that was happening. We were trying to lead Destiny through COVID, you know, as prayerfully and as spirit-led as we could manage. And we took surveys and we prayed and we talked things over and over and over with our leadership. And we had an awkward year 
of figuring out stuff, you know, like live streaming and, you know, conducting services in a way where everybody, you know, felt good. And um, we started running on a stripped down budget um, and we had a string of four losses back to back. And when a fifth, when a fifth one came, a potential loss came, some of you will remember the news of Alex's motorcycle accident. When that news came, it was the weekend of a men's retreat and I got that phone call right before it started and it sent me to my knees. I mean, I literally, I'm, I'm like I couldn't stand. It was an emotional kind of tipping point for me. Our Foursquare district found out um, and they graciously sent me to West Virginia to Foursquare's Center for Spiritual Renewal, which is where I first met with a guy named Paul Kuzma um, for counseling. And so it was in late January, 2021, that she approached me asking for a divorce. And she gave many reasons, but at the crux of it, she felt like her life was just kind of moving in a different direction and she wanted to be able to move on. There was, you know, we talked about this when we made the statement, there is no infidelity, there's no secret sin or falling away from the faith for either of us, but I was absolutely crushed. I had never cried so hard in so much in my life. And so for the first time in my life, I experienced a really deep and dark place. The darkness fell. And um, I found myself in this severe stage of grief that was incredibly foreign to me. After this happened, um, with her blessing, I called back to Paul Kuzma, <clears throat> Foursquare's pastoral counselor, that guy, and I told him what had happened, and I, I felt myself kind of reeling very fast into this kind of, I don't know what else to describe it, like, but like this depressive state, and I knew that I needed help. And so he recommended care, and he got me set up with medical and emotional help immediately, and we had conference calls weekly for a season, and then every other week, and so forth, until I kind of felt like I had crawled out of a very dark place. And I was in this severe grief stage for close to two months. This was, you know, in the midst of transitioning a, a church from our beloved founding pastors of 20 years and people were leaving and our finances took a big hit in the fall of 2020, like, like it did for a lot of churches. And, you know, even from all of the things that we had done together in life, I learned right off the bat that, um, you know, when you seek to build up the local body of believers that Jesus loves so much, you're stepping into kind of a different zone and a different battle. And the collision of all of those things were just kind of swirling all in the exact same time. And I remember the first night, I made a bed on the bathroom floor with a blanket and a pillow and I just couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop the tears. And I found myself night after night after night on the bathroom floor, sobbing uncontrollably. I, I, I didn't have my best friend to talk to all of a sudden. And so I just cried. And I immediately reached out to uh, three different people. Paul Kuzma was that first one for the Foursquare guy. And he had a string of pastoral leaders from the Foursquare denomination that started caring for me immediately. And then locally, I've mentioned a couple of guys, um, you know, that are my pillars here too. You know, one that I meet with in the office building every Friday morning. And uh, the other who was our youth pastor at the time. And when I first talked to them, I was in complete shock, complete panic mode. I really honestly... I don't, I don't remember much from those couple of months. I look back on the Sunday mornings, the recordings, the live streams from that time, and I just think, how in the world was I even functioning enough to get up on that stage? Most nights, I was barely sleeping. And I'm just being real. I was hurting. And three of those, these guys, they... they 
helped coach me through depression. It was so foreign to me and never felt anything like it, but they had. And um, these guys, some of you know who they are because I've mentioned them by name several times. They coached me to go see my doctor. And I did, and he gave me a prescription. And he said, take one of these two times a day for six weeks, and I'll see you back at that time. <laughs> and that was new to me. You know, I, I, I didn't understand it all the time, but my crash was a collision of things probably rooted back somewhere in anxiety that was kind of building. Anxiety and depression are deeply related. And... Um, I found out, and, and, so, and, I, and I'm not a doctor, of course, or, or a psychiatrist, and I'm not giving anybody advice in that way today, but I think depression, that depression that I walked through was down underneath a whole lot of stress and anxiety and worry and dread that I had been carrying. And somehow a crash was happening inside of me. And it took me months to see the light of day. And, and I could walk you through week one and week two and week three of what we went through and what I went through and what our family walked through and we even what this church walked through. But I'll save you all of that except to say that when you're in a mess like that, things domino very fast. And uh, one of my doctors, I remember, he said to me, <laughs> he said, your brain is on its own page right now and so we're gonna have to get it back to normal. It's gonna take some time. I kept on coming to work. I kept on, you know, leading the church. And, and maybe you don't remember it, but I, I preached messages and talked about my depression and my anxiety and, uh, you know, that, that I was walking through. Talked about suicide. And I, I told you that I was walking through that. I, I let my staff, you know, that, that I was getting help, that I was trying to be as transparent and as real as I felt like I should be. I mean, it was hard to go to staff meetings and to try to communicate, you know, that the guy that's leading the church is melting down. And that went on and on. I would lay on the bathroom floor and cry through the night. Doctors were helping and, and for a while I was on this medicine to, you know, kind of reset my mental capacities. And, and I only say that because I want to tell the whole story. I, I never dreamed I'd be on an antidepressant, but I was for a while. And I think it was a very key component in helping my body reset. And I know a lot of people don't believe in that, um, but man, when you've done everything you know to do, and I had some friends and some pillars in my life who had you know, gone through this and recommended it, I was all in, and so I'm, I'm so glad I did. And again, I'm not giving you advice, I'm not a professional in that field, but if you get in a moment where you need help, get help. Don't let, don't let somebody in the church tell you that you just need to pray more. Sometimes, sometimes praying more leads you to wisdom and wisdom leads you to somebody that can help you. And if you get to that place, go get help. Whatever help you need. And we know all of our hope doesn't rest in doctors, obviously. All of our hope doesn't rest in medicine, obviously. But if you need help, get it. And so I was blown away because when I started taking, you know, an antidepressant, I'd, I'd get in conversations where I would be talking about it and then somebody would go, oh, that's amazing. I take that. It's helping me. And I'd be like, you do? And they're like, oh yeah, I used to, you know, take the other one, but then my doctor switched me to this one. And, you know, and, 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 and I'd be like, wow, I thought I was the only person. I thought I was the only person. And, 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 and that's one of the things that happens when you're in a hole and when you're in a pit, you think you're the only one. But I learned along the way that there are a lot of people whose stories were very similar to mine. I mean, down to crying on the bathroom floor and the whole deal. And I'm like, I wish I had known that anybody was going through this before and that I would know I'm not the only person who's ever going through this because that's what it felt like. And I had no idea how many people in America are making it through life because of some sort of aid. And the people who don't want to go to a doctor or can't afford a prescription or don't want to go through the embarrassment of being that person, some of them are coping in other ways that, is not, that aren't healthy. And somehow this thing called fear and worry and depression has got a hold on us. But let's get to the, the meat. The psalmist, Psalm 46.10 it's one of the most powerful invitations to in his life. He wrote, be still, which translates as Pastor Patty taught us. Cease your striving. Be still. Cease your striving. No, 
that I'm God. In other words, there's gotta be a place down underneath all the stuff where we rest in the confidence that whatever the circumstance, whether it's a debilitating disease, an economy crashing, you know, the crazy world rulers and dictators, divorce, disease, death, relationships being blown apart, whatever the circumstance and whatever the challenge, God is greater than the circumstance. And where I cannot fix it in my own power, as hard as I try and as much as I want to, I can have confidence that God can hold it in his hands. And somewhere down in that be still and know that I am God, not, not be still and feel that I am God, but be still, stop your striving and know that I am God is a reset button down at the bottom of us that I know I needed at that moment. So my breakthrough, you know, I'm, I'm at a, if I'm going to self-diagnose myself this morning, I'd say I'm, I'm at a pretty good place right now. And you might, but you might be thinking, how did you get out of that? Um, you know, so I got out of that dark hole and that dark valley through something called worship. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Actually, Jim was alluding to it. And, and you're like, well, you know, what took you so long? <laughs> how come you needed a four-month sabbatical? I don't know, you can ask Paul, my counselor, but, <laughs> but um, I know part of it was that I needed some downtime to just even figure out how to grieve at that time. Because I had already been on this journey for two years. And when those papers were filed, it was like, okay, now I need to figure out how to walk through this. So I, I needed some downtime to grieve and be with my family. But I think when you get knocked down and knocked out and your brain isn't working right, it's misfiring, you know, you just don't function well. And so you forget much of what you know and, and you don't know how to put it into practice. But I know there was a night for me two years ago and two months ago, and it was, a, it was the zero point. You know, it, it was the rock bottom. And it was the middle of the night with the, tree, the, with the, the tears that wouldn't start falling down and I just thought, I can't do this. I cannot do this again. And I remember just looking up, you know, from the bathroom floor. I can't over -drama dramatize this, you know. I, 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 was hold, I was like holding up my hands, you know, on the bathroom floor and just saying to God, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to pray. I don't know what else to think. I don't want to go to a doctor because, you know, I've been to several and not one of them has said to me, A and B and C and you're going to be better. And I just can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't, don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of us have been there? And then Holy Spirit brought a scripture into my mind and it was a scripture I was aware of from a story that Louis Giglio shares in his book, you know, that I've been reading, The, the Comeback. And it was, he was coming out of a dark place. And I had actually forwarded this exact same message in this podcast as I was listening to it back. I mean, I, it was a message, I think, back way back in 2016. And I had actually forwarded this to Pastor Brent when he was coming out of a dark place of his own. His cornea had torn or something like that. And he was down in his bed and he was kind of bedridden. But for weeks, it had just, that, that this kind of scripture has been in the back of my mind. And Holy Spirit brought, back, brought it back to the front. And it's Job 35, our God gives songs in the night. And I lived that, in that verse for a while when I was in my most challenging season. And I remember so many of those nights, you know, just saying, God, you've got to come through. And that's when this little verse came to my remembrance. God gives songs in the night. And I learned that when darkness falls, God is still as good as he is as when it was daylight. <laughs> and the best response in the light and in the dark is to get our eyes on God and to worship him. And that will actually give us, he, he will actually give us a song to sing in the nighttime. And that song will hold us until the light comes again. And so this popped up in my mind and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, but I don't know what to sing. And you're thinking, well, Pastor Sean, you know, how do you, how do you not know what to sing? You're the worship guy, you know, surely you have a song to sing. I couldn't think of any songs to sing. But this verse kept on coming to me uh, and, and I remember saying, here's all I got. 
And, and God, I don't have a song right now, but if you give me a song, you know, I'll sing it to you. And I, a melody came to my mind. And it was a song that God had given me to write back in December, 2020. It was Christmas time. And um, we were doing a series all about the Prince of Peace. And I started singing just the word. Peace overwhelming. It is flourishing. Peace. Peace beyond understanding. It is flourishing. Oh, peace. I'd sing that little melody, usually from somewhere in the middle of the night until about six o'clock in the morning when I knew it was time to start getting ready and showering and you know, start the day and I'd sing it in the middle of the night, sometimes till six o'clock in the morning, over and over again. That was my song. And you're like, man, you know, that, that's amazing. I can't believe that God gave you a little song and, 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 and so what, you know, you woke up the next morning and bam, like everything was okay and everything was better, right? <laughs> nope. I woke up the next day, same deal, same reality. I went to bed that night in the middle of the night, the tears came. But then when they came, I had something. I had a song in the night and when the cloud came, I began to sing my song. And I did that night after night and there was a time where I remember when it was always, you know, like cloud, song, Cloud song, cloud song, cloud song, cloud song, right? Every night, cloud song, repeat. But then I remember when it was cloud song, 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 cloud song. Like, oh, a little bit of ray of light, right? And then eventually it was song, 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 cloud song, 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 cloud song, song. And one day, I realized I was standing in the light again. That worship pierced the darkness and it led me back to the light. And so, yes, doctors helped me and people helped me and Deanna even helped me. People prayed for me, but worship led me back into the light. And so if you're in a zone today, like, like Pastor Jim was talking about, where something is oppressing you or pressing you down or suffocating you, you might be surprised to know that what worship is your weapon today. Your weapon today is worship. And I just, that's why I wanted to save our time, uh, extended time for worship at the end of the service. I wanted to actually practice this when we're done. And I actually wanted to sing some of the songs that were meaningful to me and Brent and even Louis Giglio when we were in the middle of the night. And I want to invite you to sing a song in the night. And so why should I do that? I'm going to just give you a couple reasons. We're going to go really quick. This is going to be rapid fire. So get ready. Number one, when we worship God in the middle of our circumstances, it changes the soundtrack. If you're in a medical dilemma right now, you know this, here's your soundtrack. Well, we went to the doctor today and he did such and such a test and we're gonna go back on Thursday and we're hoping for the results. So you're waiting for that result. And we went back on Thursday and he's putting us on such and such. He's gonna take us off such and such and then he's gonna add in so and so. And so that is your soundtrack, like morning, noon and night, every conversation, that's the soundtrack. And I'm not saying that that's unimportant information, but that's kind of the soundtrack. And so if you're in the middle of the divorce, that's the soundtrack, right? Well, I heard she said, you know, so-and-so. You know, I talked to my son or daughter this week and, and they let me know about so-and-so. Or, you know, my attorney told me that the procedure is gonna happen this way, so we went to court and this happened. Or we're gonna have to settle, but, you know, it's backed up a bit. And all of that is important, possibly, but it becomes the soundtrack of your life. And it's what you talk about in the morning, right? And it's what you think about in the afternoon. And it's what you tell your friends about at night. And the soundtrack of our lives can shift when we choose in the middle of our circumstance to begin to worship, we can change the soundtrack of our circumstance from whatever it has been to the one who's greater than what we're going through. And we have the power to do that through our worship. 
It's not just like some little, you know, inspirational flick of the dial. No, it's a powerful shifter of the backdrop of what we're going through. So I've heard, you know, worship music. Some of you have heard this too, played in ICU rooms. I've heard it played in hospice and I've, I've heard it played in the most difficult places where people are when we don't know what else to do. But what we can do is change the soundtrack to the faithfulness of God. Number two, the second thing worship does is it reframes our circumstance. It puts God's boldness and his mercy and his love and his faithfulness around our circumstance. So the circumstance is still real, but the frame is now bigger. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't fix the circumstance, but it frames our circumstance. Number three, worship puts God in view, and that's what we need. Well, you know, when the darkness falls, circumstances try to conceal God's face. You know, worship reveals God's face because it's, you know, it's what we're seeking. And if the enemy can shut off our worship when darkness falls, he can cut us off from the face of God. And that's what we need the most in our toughest times. Number four, Worship displaces worry. That's right. You, you cannot worship and worry at the same time. Amen. Our, one displaces the other. Out of our mouths cannot come fear and faith. And so the way to keep fear from coming out of our mouths is to sing faith out of our mouth. That's right. The way to keep worry from, from coming out of our mouths is to have worship coming out of our mouths. Amen. And, and then when you stop, you might say, well, as soon as I stopped, the worry comes. Okay, then don't stop. Don't stop. Because worship and worry cannot occupy the same place. That's why I was singing that song over and over and over again. Peace. You know, either our fear is going to cripple our worship or our worship is going to cripple the fear. And that's the power even in the darkness of worshiping God. Number five, worship dispels darkness. We know this one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was void and without form and darkness covered the face of the waters. But God spoke and said, let there be light, right? When Jesus was born in the night in Bethlehem, an angel appeared and the glory of God shone all around him and the little baby grew up and spoke these words. He said, I am the light of the world. Worship lights up our circumstance and I hope, and it, it dispels dark. Number six, our worship breeds hope. That's Pastor Linda's favorite word lately, if you've missed it. Worship breeds hope. That's why we want to keep on worshiping, even in the dark. It reminds us of God's past faithfulness. And that's the seedbed from which uh, springs hope, that God can give us a comeback again. Number seven, worship repels the enemy. The enemy is, is going to come after you and me. That's what he does. And, when, and he comes after us when darkness falls, when death arrives at your door, when sickness comes, when divorce kind of wrecks havoc in your life, when our businesses collapse, you know, when depression sets in, uh, when we blow it in our own choice. At that moment, the enemy arrives and he always attacks in our minds and in our heart. And that's why Philippians 4, 6 says that if we will make our request known to God, you know, whatever it is that we're dealing with, whatever it is that we're struggling with, it says the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Amen. The peace of God will stay on guard as we surrender our trust to him in every one of these moments. God, I'm just gonna depend on you. I'm, I'm gonna be still. I'm gonna stop striving and just know that you're our God. And maybe in this moment, I can't see that you're God. The circumstances are not affirming that you're God, but I believe that you are just as much God right now as you were before these circumstances came into my life. And so I'm gonna trust that in this moment, I'm gonna ask now that your peace will guard my heart. Stand guard is what the scripture says over my emotions and over my thinking. So that when the enemy comes in and he says, God doesn't get you, you know, he doesn't love you. I mean, look at the place you're in and he's attacking your emotions. The peace of God can be there in that moment. And when he comes into my mind with all these crazy, ridiculous thoughts, the peace of God holds our minds in Christ, in Jesus. Number eight, our worship welcomes Jesus. That's right. How's that possible, Sean? You know, Jesus lives inside of us. We're carriers of the light of Jesus. So how can we welcome Jesus? I don't know, but the scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people, amen? And so if you want God in your circumstance, build him a throne by your worship. Build him a place to come and be seated 
on the throne of worship and he will come into that place and change the atmosphere. That's what he does. And honestly, there's a whole nother message for a whole other day. Do you know that what we need most in our comebacks is not for our situation to resolve? That's not what we need the most. What we need is most is our connection to Jesus who is powerful and strong. And if you want that connection, worship is a way that invites Jesus into the story and into the equation. Amen. And hopefully, you know, we'll stay in that zone once a comeback comes because we've seen this play out in life in the stories of scriptures where God brings us back from the brink and then three months later, we're completely on our own and our own strength again, right? May God help us move to a place where we more quickly worship in the dark. Why? Why would we do that? Because number nine, worship preaches truth to us. And what I mean by that, I love Psalm 42. In the middle of it, the psalmist gets to a place of desperation where he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This whole psalm is a a song of desperation for, for God to come through. And there's a moment in it where the psalmist just says, hey, I gotta start talking to my soul. Have you ever done that? I mean, you know, we think we're so amazing at telling everybody else what to do when they're in a pit, are we not? I mean, we're Dr. You know, Dr. Phil doesn't hold a candle to any of us. Um, some, some, you know, comes up to us. I mean, you've probably had this happen. Someone comes up to us and, and they're saying, you know, you got, you got to get out of that relationship and then you got to do A plus B plus C, you know, and then I'm going to hang up and I'm going to text you a passage of scripture and boom, this is going to absolutely change the landscape of your world. And, you know, I've been praying for you and I've got a word for you and God is going to change the equation. And, you know, and then it's you, you're sitting over at Starbucks with people. And I mean, you turn into the most amazing pastor that's ever lived on the planet earth. And you're like, I'm going to walk with you. You're going to overcome, you know, you're going to get through this. None of this is going to take you down. God is going to lift you up. You know, God's going to intervene. We're going to intersect. God's going to get in the mix. And I mean, we're so good at that. But then when we get in our hole in the ground, when the dark closes in on us and when life squeezes into our circumstances, man, if we can just remember 10% of what we preach to the other people, God would lift us up out of the pit. (laughs) But when we get home, we forget everything we've ever told anybody else and worship allows us to preach to ourselves again. That's what it does because we're not singing some lullaby out into the sky. We're proclaiming the bedrock truth of the character and the nature and the person of who God is. And sometimes our soul just needs to remember that. And we're telling ourselves, hey, I know you're stressed, you know, but I'm going to start talking to you, soul, like I talked to that other person across the table, and I'm going to turn the tables on myself, and with worship, I'm going to proclaim God's word to my life, and I'm going to say, don't be downcast, oh my soul, and don't be disturbed. Put your hope in God. And lastly, worship restores our soul. (laughs) Worship has the ability to heal our souls When Jesus started his ministry, he quoted Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. And then listen to what he says. To give the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Jesus, when he announced his ministry, understood that however you translate, you know, that spirit of heaviness, loneliness, depression, doom, dread, fear, stress, worry, anxiety, whatever you call that spirit of heaviness, Jesus said, here's what I'm announcing today. By my life and death and resurrection, I can give you a garment of praise. Put it on. Put, on. put it on over the spirit of heaviness and watch the garment of praise restore your soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And so if you're in a hole or a pit, or a valley, and if you're at the end or, or close to the end, can I just encourage you to take up a song in the middle of the night and watch the power of what worship can do? 
You say, well, no one's prescribed that for me yet. (laughs) Well, again, I'm not offering medical advice, but I'm telling you a story. And I'm recounting what God's word tells us. And I want to encourage you to take up a song in the night and to sing it until you're standing in the light. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up just as we, you know, prepare to to go into a time of worship. But if I could put handles on it, let me just offer just these quick thoughts. If If you're in that crisis place, number one, when you're getting ready to sleep at night, can I encourage you? I mean, you probably don't need to hear it again, but let me just say it again. Close down social media. Shut down Netflix. Close down whatever you're watching. Close down, yes. close down even your go-to you know, choice of music that helps you cope and inject anointed worship into that equation. Seriously. What stirs up and reinforces all that depression and fear in us is our reflection on things that aren't true. Maybe stuff that we're hearing, you know, and, and if, if, if you're going to bed thinking about just whatever, whatever you, that stuff that you're putting in your brain, yeah. then you're not going to sleep very well at night. That's right. That's not laying down in green pastures. That's right. So just put a stop pause on your social media notifications. It'll be okay. I have it programmed in my phone to do it every night as like a cutoff point. It's like you're, you're it's like pulling out the IV, right? <laughs> your, your smartphone lets, lets you program that. I, I, I have mine scheduled to go to, to, to sleep mode at a certain time. And so let your, let your heart rest and create a space where you can put worship into the story. You say, I don't know if, if I'll ever get to the song of the night. I've never written a song before. You don't have to. And we got Phil Wickham for that. <laughs> you know, put Crowder or Maverick City song in the mix. Add a Chris Tomlin song and a Carrie Job into your playlist. But how about this? Let God put a playlist together for you. Amen. And put that into the mix. Inject worship so that you've got a buffer from the voices Amen, of the world. Jesus. And inject worship and press on. Even if you don't get instant results, keep on until the breakthrough leads you into the yes. light. You know, we don't get into these holes in the day a lot of times, and we typically don't get out of them in a day. So I don't know how long, you know, I'd had that needle on the red before my brain just kind of decided to say enough is enough. But it wasn't a day or a week or an hour. And it wasn't all going to get fixed in a day or a week and an hour. It was a process and it was a journey. So I've, I've got my worship playlist and I'm, and I'm filling my mind in the morning and maybe even the evening. I'm going to put worship on, on my, my lunch break and I'm filling my mind uh, on, on that when the enemy presses in and I'm picking it up and I'm taking that weapon of worship and I'm pushing the enemy back and I've got that weapon of worship and I'm bringing light into the darkness. Yes. Amen. But then you say, well, well yeah, yeah, yes, it is. But you, so you might say, well, I did that for, you know, two days and nothing happened. Well, let me say this. Do not stop. <laughs> Keep pressing in. Keep hanging in there. Yeah. Keep pressing in. Because worshiping is going to do every one of those 10 things in yes. you if you let it. And it's going to start a process of restoring you. And I believe it's going to lead you out into the light. Yes. So I'm just going to close with something that I feel I need to say at the end. I kind of hate to say it, but I feel like I need to say it. Um, for me, it was two years ago and two months ago that I started that fall in the darkness. All the way to wrapping up, you know, most recently four months of sabbatical um, for my journey of coming back into the light. But that cloud, that cloud that we're talking about, it's, it's kind of still over there somewhere. And it doesn't debilitate me like it did two years ago. It tries to. You know, it tries to sometimes. I can feel it coming, and so I, I know I've got my weapon ready, right? I'm, I'm a st- I'm a, you, you guys, if you've been around me, you know I'm still a little weepy some days. But I've prepared in the light to know what to do in the dark. I've prepared in the light to know what to do in the dark. And so if a cloud starts coming, I have a plan. That's right. I, I know what it is. I know, I know where it's from, and I have a plan. I don't go, oh, my goodness, I think dread is, and depression and anxiety are coming. I've got a plan. I can say, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is all wrong. These are lies of the enemy 
that I'm hearing in my head and I, and I can adjust, but I don't just want to leave you this morning and for you to think, oh, that's so nice. You know, what a wonderful story. You had a little song. That's so great. Everyone says, well, you know, it, it, you know his night is over then. No, the, the enemy is a creep. <laughs> he is. And so he'll still try to, to let the darkness creep back in. So I have to pay attention to that. And so the second thing I just feel like I want to say is that I think I have a wound that probably, I'm guessing, is probably never going to go away. And, and that might be even a strong word. I, I, I debated whether calling it, you know, the thorn that Paul talks about in the flesh um, that he carried with him, right? And I will say that it is a really, really frustrating thing to have. And, and actually, it's a really, really amazing thing to have because it keeps me in touch with my frailty. It keeps me in touch with the fact that I don't run anything. It, it, I can't please everybody. I can't make everybody happy. I can't control every circumstance. I can't dictate every outcome. I can't, you know, make everything perfect. <laughs> and that wound just reminds me, you're loved by God and filled with his power, but you're a human being and you're frail and you can't do it all and you weren't meant to. And in that weakness, do you see it? In that weakness, there's the possibility for his greatness and for his strength to shine. So I stand today to tell you that this morning, that I believe that God is bigger and I know that God can lead us to the light. But maybe the greatest gift we have in our lifetime is sometimes to come in touch with our weakness. I'm standing up here as a grown man telling you (laughs) that today. Get in touch with your weakness so that Jesus can demonstrate his sufficiency. So if you ask, how have you made it from January 2021 to here? It's a miracle. That's what it is. It's a miracle. How do you navigate all the things that you juggle with co-parenting and seven kids and leading a church and even just your personal life with that cloud kind of hanging over there? It's a miracle of God. It really is. I do some stuff to lean into becoming a more healthy and whole person, but I still meet regularly with uh, Paul, but it's mostly just me leaning into the strength of my heavenly father. That's it. Be still, cease your striving and know that I am God.